listening to the Necropolis Podcast, which is associated with HessianFirm.com and HateMeditations.com. Welcome to Necropolis. I am Jason the Terrible. We have a really cool episode for you today. It is our first Italian episode. We have had guests from all over the world, mainly just America and Europe, but uh, today is our first Italian guest. So first and foremost, I want to thank Mr. Charles Shelley for coming back on Necropolis as the co-host. So Shelly is from the website hatemeditations.com, as well as he is a writer for Metal Lesion magazine, which is in the UK. It's a very professional looking magazine. And uh, Shelly has been providing some great reviews in there. He did that recent cake uh, review, which cake or cack or however you want to pronounce that, the guy from Samath. Um, Yen or Jan or however you pronounce his name. I'm, I'm butchering everything so far, but wait until we get into the Italian part of today's episode. Well, um, so uh, I want to thank you, Mr. Shelley, for returning. Yeah, no, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, um, check out Metal Asian. There's some uh, great interviews in there as well. So yeah, uh, give it a read. Excellent, excellent. So uh, our main guest today is Giuseppe from Thicodonchen. I believe I pronounced that correctly. Uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on the program, Giuseppe. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Sorry for my English. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's very informal, Chad. We're not going to pound, you know, join the Anglosphere or else mentality on you. So uh, <laughs> um, you're definitely welcome to, if you have any issues, just let, let us know and we'll try to help oh, out where, yeah, yeah. wherever we can. So uh, Giuseppe also runs a label called Xenoglossy Productions, um, which yeah. specializes in black metal and ambient, like dark ambient. So that's kind of interesting. So the Thicodonchen is on, a, I saw they're on I Void Hanger Records, your yeah. yeah, band yeah. where you play bass, and there's no guitars in it, which is really awesome about Thicodonchen. And uh, so I, I had a project that was on Void Hanger called GoCraft released three yeah. albums through the, you know that label so how did you get in contact with void hanger like why did you uh, go with them rather than putting it out on your own label uh, well um uh, Gossi productions is is more like um uh, small collective self-release um, label so we usually print uh, like um cassette runs of mostly 25, sometimes 30, sometimes 50 maximum copies. And when we started back in 2017, uh, we released the uh, only, we started releasing CDRs and the mini CDs only. It was very, very low budget and low-fi. Then we switched to tapes and Pro CDs, and we did a couple of vinyl releases. Uh, uh, we, we released one, uh, three recently, actually, but we mostly, as I said, do a small runs. So for Tico Dungeon, we wanted we wanted to have a bigger scope. So I believe Anger was perfect for that, since uh, they have a international distribution. They are a way big bigger label than us um we we contacted uh, luciano uh after recording the uh, the the debut full length supercontinent uh, 
uh, and they love the the material right away. So uh, we arrange. Yeah, you definitely have a special sound going because the premise of the band is like prehistoric um, um, metal, quote unquote, where uh, there's no guitar. And <clears throat> you would think that on the surface level, that would be like some kind of gimmick where it's death metal without any guitar. But no, the it's really like the the kind of vibe I get. At, you know, I listened to a Super Continent in Full, which was released back in 2020. And uh, I really get like the sludgy feeling. It's like the, the rhythm choices with the bass too. It's really interesting that it, it, it presents a whole package. It's not a, just a, a gimmick. I wouldn't call it a gimmick. You actually, there is vision behind the music, and it actually stands out as one of the one of the better releases that I've heard recently. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's very. So, how did that concept come about? Where you wanted to do prehistoric uh, metal without guitars, like you know, just kind of getting the rumbling of the early Earth back when it was forming. Yeah, well, um, the the concept of doing metal without guitars it, it's also because of necessity uh, because neither me nor uh, the other Giuseppe uh, plays guitar very well <laughs> so <laughs> we we wanted to do something uh, between uh, between us without involving uh, anyone else for them for the time being back then uh, we both had this idea of doing something with a we we like in general uh, exploring weird concepts. Uh, if you dig through Senoglossi, you find all sorts of weird uh, concepts or uh, weird uh, aesthetics. And um, when we started Tecodontion back in 2016, 2017, uh, it was it started just like a side project for. Uh, for for Xenoglossi or some something else. Uh, in fact, our, our first uh, two outputs, uh, Tecodontia, the, the demo, and uh, Jurassic the EP, uh, is very much more straightforward than the full length. It's um, short songs like Black Black Grind, two minutes, three minute songs very much very closer to warm metal than this slow death metal that's on the on the full length uh, and well as for the the team and the concept uh, i've been uh, in love with the concept of uh, prehistory and dinosaurs since i was a kid I am of the generation uh, that grew up with Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> I see, yeah. back, so uh, back when I was yeah, three we, or four, I had a dinosaur book and I would just rattle off all the different types of dinosaurs to people <laughs> and uh, like Stegosaurus, Bronchosaurus, all of that. And, you know, just the really annoying kid, just really into dinosaurs back back then. It was, you know, so, um, yeah, definitely the Jurassic Park, you know, put dinosaurs back into the mainstream consciousness. Of course, you know, all the music museums out in the world with you know uh skeletons they're not even like like there's this big museum up in chicago i forget the name of the museum but right when you walk in there's this great you know t-rex right in front of you and like i hear like most of the bones that you know 
are theirs only like a fraction of what the skeleton is like it's recreated in the museums yeah it's actually this for uh, a a lot if not most of the fossils you see in museums it's rare to have uh, almost complete fossils uh, around so like a complete skeleton so uh, every museum that has fossils it's actually like the skull and the rest is uh, it's um, uh, how can i say it's reconstructed from with other materials uh but yeah i i've been i visited the, the museum of natural history in london uh, it was 2015 maybe and they had uh, they have a big specimen of diplodocus i think the long neck um, dinosaur yeah uh, yeah yeah and that that was stunning and i i also had the chance to visit um, the museum in, of natural history in new york back when i was 16 uh, with my father and that was absolutely beautiful there there is um a skeleton of barosaurus uh, that's on uh, another by uh, another long necked uh, herbivore dinosaur and it's in it, on his two legs so it's this gigantic uh, neck and tail and uh, I, this was the inspiration for one of the tracks on jurassic which is dedicated to the barosaurus and uh, <laughs> yeah um, and i wanted to talk about the subject of prehistory and dinosaurs without as you were saying turning it into a gimmick because it's very easy to say ha ha no guitar band will about dinosaurs dinosaurs are cool then mm. giuseppe giuseppe sorry connection is not the best in italy it's okay. Right, okay. okay. Um, yeah, if you're positioned in a better spot, you know, we can continue. Yeah, may, uh, it should work now, but I like all of them because it's it's very fun. They're very fun at worst. Yeah. So yeah. it's always good times. And they don't have that um, pretense of depicting dinosaurs in... Uh, like they were uh, actually, they, they got stuck in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, as for the correct depiction of the time. Back then, they, they didn't know uh, some dinosaur, uh, dinosaurs ha- had feathers or that velociraptor, velociraptors were uh, way smaller. So I think they can't uh, retcon things now. It's too late to do that. So they stick with what they started in the 93. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, the, yeah. the 93 one is famous partly because it did bring some of the more up-to-date science into, like, the popular conscience. But, yeah, with the newer films, they haven't really done that because otherwise, yeah, a lot yeah, of them will have feathers I and stuff. I think it will, it will be a bit incoherent if they started depicting velociraptors like small dinosaurs with, with feathers and wings. It would sound... Oh, yeah. so and I think it, uh, hardcore fans of the series will be outraged that at this. So, 
Uh, I think that even um, uh, paleontology enthusiasts uh, uh, know that uh, there is there is a uh, there is another pretense of uh, depicting the actual scientific truth. So it's they yeah. are very fun movies, and the, the first one is I think is a great movie. The second two, uh, in my opinion, um, and. Um, I prefer the books, which I which I also read the, the Michael mm. Crichton books. They are they are better. They are more in depth. But the first two, especially the first movie, does a good job of um, uh, transposing the book into film. And also, it's they are uh, the dinosaurs are, are like quite accurate for the uh, the knowledge of the time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say when you mentioned the Natural History Museum in London, rather controversially, they have now replaced that dinosaur with the skeleton of a blue whale. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was when, that when was I few... visited back then. Uh, the, it was still there. Yeah, no, I was going to say it was it was a couple of years ago now, but it was like um, there was quite a lot of protest about it because obviously that mm. dinosaur was quite quite iconic for like the main yeah, yeah, yeah. entrance to the museum. I mean, the blue whale's still pretty cool, but. Um, yeah, being being a dinosaur uh, loyalist, I was um, a bit annoyed by it. <laughs> um, I was going to ask. So, yeah, you mentioned the Jurassic EP, um, yeah. where it is the music is very like um, very extreme. Like you mentioned, sort of grindcore or war metal, and it is very much like really direct in that. And then with Supercontinent, it's still like it's really harsh album in places. Like it does have elements of like extreme grindcore but it is much more melodic and slower but you also like the lyrics shifted away from like dinosaur specifically to talking more about uh, geology um and well it's in the title supercontinents and like the shifting of tectonic plates which seems like a really challenging subject to write lyrics about that could fit in with music like that um, was there any sort of particular motivation behind it or was it just, you know, an interesting, challenging concept to work with? Yeah, it, it was um, um, to challenge ourselves uh, specifically. Also, we, when we started, we, wa- we also wanted to uh, explore the um, various stages of evolution of prehistoric creatures and dinosaurs. Uh, then we we thought it was too constraining. So uh, after Jurassic, we 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 told ourselves uh, ourselves uh, let's do whatever we want, uh, release by release. So uh, without planning in advance the uh, the concept. Uh, and also we wanted to shift a bit from dinosaurs and such because. Uh, uh, yeah, we didn't want to become an all-dinosaur all band concept-wise, like uh, making it sound like a gimmick, the ho-ho dinosaurs brood also. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the um, as you say, writing lyrics for Supercontinent was very hard in places. Because um, uh, while for uh, prehistoric creatures you can find a lot of uh, 
of, of the info online uh, or, or in books, uh, like a lot of info sometimes. So it's very easy uh, taking this info to and putting them, uh, arranging them into lyrics. For Supercontinent, it was really difficult at times because, um, uh, for example, on tracks like Kenorland, which was a um, Supercontinent, uh, a stage of earth in, uh, in, in time, uh, there is very scarce info. Uh, for example, Wikipedia has just three or four sentences about it. So it was very hard to write lyrics uh, for when when the, the info was rather uh, scarce. So in some places I had to work a bit uh, with fans, with my fantasy trying to use poetry more than uh, than uh, actual scientific um, um, words or uh, concepts but but it's all rooted in uh, in uh, in science i'm not making stuff up because then it will it would uh, ruin the the, the whole um, the whole concept of the band but so i like to to write stuff more poetically let's say so there's no good velociraptors in your lyrics, correct? <laughs> no, no, we we uh, we also have not songs about velociraptors yet, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it sort of almost reminds me of like early Carcass in taking the you know correct kind of language and vocabulary of of science and trying to. Uh, apply it to uh yeah yeah, yeah. to uh metal music it's, it's interesting and it, yeah it must be an interesting challenge but yeah so um do you know where you're going to sort of take this in the future are you going to um on sort of future releases are you going to go back to dinosaurs or go to other sort of paleo paleontological periods or um yeah for uh, you can see that on the most uh, on our most recent output uh, after Supercontinent, the, it was a split we released uh, with Vessel of Iniquity, which is a um, death um, noise black metal band mix. He's a friend of ours, so we were really happy to do a split release with him. Um, uh, the two songs that are on, on the split, uh, the split is titled The Permian Triassic Extinction Event. Uh, it's actually about two dinosaurs from the Tri Triassic. So we went a bit back in time prior to Jurassic, in fact, uh, because uh, I, I had these lyrics in the, for a while lying around, so I wanted to use them because I think they, they work, worked really well for uh, the songs. And for future material, I can say that uh, we are going to do stuff. Um, I, I'm going to write stuff uh, on that I find uh, inspired by uh, at the moment without planning in advance. Uh, for example, this will uh, be about this dinosaur, this creature, uh, and so on. But I have a loose. Uh, a loose concept for uh, uh, for for example for our 
second album, second full length, which we still have to finish writing and recording. Uh, it will pro be probably done uh, next year or at the end of the of 2022. Uh, I I would like to do a concept about the famous dinosaur extinction of the Cretaceous, actually, but. Uh, in a, in a, almost like narrated like it was uh, in in a first person like i could see what was happening in in first person so in alternating between the description of uh, the scientific description of creatures and also while having a, a story that uh, linking the whole album together and culminating it with the the, uh, the meteor, the Very asteroid. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, so, it's still it's still uh, at the very early in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in 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 writing. So, but this is the general uh, the general concept of it. Also, we have um, two other splits coming out. Of, I think. Uh, at the end of 2000 and, and uh, at the end of this year and early in the next uh, which and we have songs about um, our side will have songs about uh, um, aquatic uh, invertebrates like the trilobite uh, trilobite I don't know how to pronounce properly and the uh, prehistoric flora uh, so, yeah <laughs> we we are exploring different types of uh, of creatures too. Very cool. I, I just thought of uh, another concept, and you can just laugh, you know, if it's you know a joke and you don't want to take it seriously. But you know, being that you've been writing, you know, rumbly, you know, death metal with you know prehistory, you know, back before humans existed, yeah. I was kind of thinking like if you ever want to do like a, a concept on the ice age. You can go like more of a black metal route, like Immortal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can tie it into a nice boat. I mean, still, you know, it's you could have songs like Woolly Mammoths and things like that in the ISA. Yeah, I, I, I can say that for certain. It's, it's too early to say, but probably one, one of the future, in very future concepts will be about that. Although I must admit, I I don't like the Ice Age period as much as the dinosaur uh, uh, the dinosaur period actually. Was it because the, are, is it because of the Ice Age movies? They're too no too no because you know um, the 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 animals that we had in the Ice Age are very similar to the one we have now. The, the woolly mammoth will be probably still around if it wasn't hunted to extinction. I heard. I heard they're bringing it back. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's still this rumor of bringing it back, mixing with the the the, the elephant. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds more like an abomination. It's like you, you're splicing, you know, a different creature with woolly mammoth stuff, and who knows what's going to come out. What if it ends up being smarter than humans? I mean, that's a, yeah. <laughs> of all the cloning and all that, you know, what happens when it's like they create these genetic freaks? Well, and... they obviously haven't uh, watched Jurassic Park, have they? <laughs> For what can go wrong? Yeah, I mean, 
obviously, you know, the park can fall in shambles and the, you know, it's the dinosaurs revolting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like something that's like, you remember uh, Dolly, that lamb that they, the first clone yeah, lamb and mm. you know, if they continue that, you know, different species, um, it just makes me think it's like, what if they screw up and create like this, like killing machine or some super smart <laughs> dolphin or who knows you know was, we're, we're playing god and you know it, it could end up you know destroying the world and something i don't know i'm just talking out of my butt but uh yeah l- luckily um uh woolly mammoths were herbivores so <laughs> oh, it, it might not be a herbivore once we bring it back it could be coming back with a vengeance <laughs> so, um Sorry, go on, Jason. I, I was just going to talk a little about a little bit about Italy. So you're based in Italy, and this is the first guest we've had on from Italy, and he's also on iVoid Hanger Records, which is you know based in Italy. Um, so I, I just noticed you know the other day that uh, Luciano he got out of the hospital. He had COVID. He was in the emergency room for like a yeah. month. That was crazy, but. It looks like he finally pulled through and he's recovering at home now. I was I was really concerned because it looked like it was very serious. So it looks like he's rebounding pretty well. And did uh, Fran- uh, Francesca Gemelli, um, did yeah. he uh, do the layout and design for Supercontinent? Uh, no, we uh, the design and layout for Supercontinent was all done by uh, Stefan Tanner from Chaos Ecos. You know the experimental death metal band that was uh, under uh, nu- nuclear war. Now, it's uh, I don't know you if you're familiar with them, but they're a crazy band. Um, he he, Stefan is a very good, uh, fantastic illustrator and artist. So we wanted to collaborate with him. Um, uh, so we showed him the, the concept of the record. We made we uh, made a listen to the to the songs, and we he was very impressed with them. So uh, he he worked on the artwork while listening to the, the the record, and the result was fantastic in my opinion. And I hope to to work with him in the future. We. Still haven't collaborated with the Fra- Francesco Gemelli yet, but maybe for future releases, probably we could do that. Yeah, he's very professional. I love Francesco. Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked with him quite a bit in the past, and he's kind of. I want to bring. Have you ever talked to him? Like, I want to know like how good his English is. I know he was living up in Canada for a while, so I'd imagine he's quite proficient. But eventually, down the road, I would like to have him on the show and kind of pick his brain because he's so prolific. Like his hands are all over. You know, I avoid hanging records. Release. Yeah, yeah, he. He's like uh, their artist in residence for artworks and layouts. But I know that uh, if uh, Lu- Luciano and Francesco are totally okay if you bring a not ready, ready artwork. So we had uh, um, the artwork ready with Stefan from Chaos Eco, so they, uh, they didn't have a problem using it. Uh, and th- the same is true for uh, the, the the split with Vessel of Iniquity. We uh, uh, the artwork was done by an artist, uh, an Italian artist called Strix, 
which is uh, RFDRX, which is a very good, a very good artist. So, and they didn't have a problem using his his artwork. So, but but I would like to do something something with uh, Francesco Gionelli in the future, indeed. Yeah, I mean the the album Supercontinent looks wonderful, so I can definitely see why they they wanted to just go with what. You yeah, did. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's very iconic. Yeah, I, I know Luciano is a very um, uh, for for him uh, artwork and visuals are very important. Like like is for like is for us, for example. We we I love art uh, albums with uh, good artworks or uh, concepts. So. I, I think he was struck both by our visual and our uh, our uh, concept, uh, other than the music. Mm. Yes, yeah, I was gonna... go ahead. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, uh, we have the same. We try to have the same uh, attitude for Xenoglossy Productions. Uh, we know we are not as uh, we don't have a big scope like Ivoy uh, Danger, but in our small uh, um, with, with our smaller label, we try to have a similar approach of having re releases with a, a certain aesthetic or, or or a certain concept. Um, we like uh, stuff that's not common with black metal or extreme metal or noise. So we try to avoid stuff that the usual Satanism uh, uh, guy in the woods <laughs> with uh, black and white. So um, we like other type of of aesthetic, aesthetics, and, and I think weird aesthetics it goes really well in black metal. And I, I'm glad that lately uh, there's labels like Highboy Danger who appreciate that and started releasing stuff like that um yeah i was going to mention with so with xenoglossy um yeah the, it's kind of like a lot of stuff on the fringes of metal that you're putting out like um noise um, yeah, yeah. and um sort of noise mixed with black metal and uh, some stuff with elements of industrial so you had um sonic terror who i believe is the same guy as vessel of iniquity yeah yeah it's um, alexander from vessel of iniquity. yeah and i remember viewing his his album uncertainty principle and it is like part doom metal part kind of god flesh industrial yeah part yeah, drone. yeah yeah um and yeah some really uh, really interesting like artists on there as well and um i remember recently you sent me uh an album by a band called voland and they all of their lyrics are based on sort of various periods in Russian history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a really interesting concept as well. Um, could you maybe talk a bit about like the label, like how you hooked up with all these artists, or is it just anything you sort of come across that you find interesting that you think should should get that promotion or well um we uh, the label is primarily for uh, like nine nine out of ten of of uh, of its material is uh, from uh, me, uh, the other Giuseppe, and two uh, two friends of ours. So we like a small collective of people releasing stuff uh, with with uh, with Cinoglossi. I talk, I'm talking about um, uh, Batracos, which is a side, another side project uh, from me and uh, the other Giuseppe. Death Void, which is a side project of mine, 
and the Sacrilegious Crown and Gaskammer, which is another project by some friends of ours. But sometimes we stumble upon uh, material from bands uh, which are uh, composed by friends like Boland or uh, Gone Mage, which is a Karen Nair side project by Gary Brandt, which is a very good musician, or Sentiero dei Principi is another friend of us. And um, the, our most recent release, which is going to be uh, The Theosophist by Teomachia, uh, is going out in early February. Uh, and it, it, um, we discovered this young guy who, who was recording at uh, our friend's place where we also recorded the, the two up upcoming split uh, by Tecodonto. And yeah, we, we proposed uh, him to release uh, his uh, EP with us and he, he accepted. So it's, it's usually either us self-releasing uh, stuff or uh, releasing friends, uh, pr uh, friends project. It's very, it happens very rarely that um, we uh, accept some demo submissions also because we don't have much time or um, to uh, release uh, too much stuff. So, uh, we try to keep this uh, between us, so it's easier to manage. I know uh, a lot of labels are run by one or two people, uh, labels that are way bigger than uh, than us. Uh, so uh, I don't want to turn xenoglossy into a stressful thing. So I we try to keep it uh, uh, simple for now, at least. Yeah, I mean, with these things that where they sort of grow organically. Um, it can be easy for them to kind of run out of control. And if it sort of stops being fun and more like work, it can sometimes like take the shine off it. But yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's one of those labels and there's a few out there where it's definitely quality over quantity. It's not just sort of chucking every sort of demo and yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can find. And I think it, yeah, although you sort of say it's like, yeah, a collection of like-minded people, there is definitely like a common um ethos behind a lot of the artists on there and sort of like at the edges of metal or extreme metal yeah. uh, which i find really interesting i'm looking at the uh, theosophist by theo machia right now um and the the cover really looks like a work by uh, william blake erzin um kind of like reimagined though is that the yeah yeah it's it's a, it's uh it's it's actually that it's a readaptation of the ancient of days by william blake yeah it was uh yeah it was um readapted by a really good artist called ebe pachocco which is the girlfriend of uh, jacopo from bad Sore, which is a very good band death metal band uh which was released by 20 bucks spin uh so yeah it's it's actually a william blake artwork it it looks very nice yeah 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 it's a great cover and this this band refers to themselves as 
Gnostic black metal. So I've never heard. I know there's a here in San Antonio, Texas, there was a pretty good black metal band called Gnostic, but I was the first time I've ever heard the term Gnostic black metal and kind of like this is drawing a lot of influences from a lot of different things here is Greek philosophy, Socrates and Neoplatonism. Um, and it's calling it, you know, Gnostic black metal, which Gnosticism was primarily a, a, a cult in Rome, um, which drew, you know, some Christian influences, but um, uh, eventually said that the the world is profane that was the main thing about gnosticism like worldly yeah, yeah. worldly life is profane so there, there's a lot of stuff going on with this uh <laughs> theosophist album that's looking at it it's like there's urzen the the symbol of urzen which which uh, it was kind of derived from william blake's own theology and uh it was like his godly type you know um and uh and then there's just all these other influences like, wow, there's a lot here. And it's kind of just really interesting. You don't see this every day where, you know, someone's just flat out. say, like, I'm into this, 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 and this, and this, and their music. And they work it all in, you know, from Greek philosophy all the way to William Blake. So it's really interesting. Um, looking forward to that when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, in a, it comes out in a few couple of weeks. So uh, it's uh, to be specific. It's going out uh, in uh, February fourth, together with the uh, Onism Productions, which uh, will release the CD version of the EP. Onism is the label that released the Grey Auras that is full length. So it's a very good label based in UK. We 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 will do the tape and they will uh, do the CD. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Very cool, very cool. And they're from Rome, is that correct? Yeah, Tel, uh, Telmachia is a guy from Rome, yeah. So it's another... How is the uh, Italian metal scene? Is it pretty healthy? Uh, in the Italian metal scene, is, uh, I'd say it's healthy. Uh, right now, it's, it's full of uh, um, very cool bands, both in black metal, both in death metal. Uh, like, for example, um, our friends in uh, Theomachia, uh, Boaland, uh, Sentiero dei Principi. There's also um, Bad Sword for Death Metal. Uh, a, a lot. Um, there is also our, <coughs> our friend Gabriele in Vertebra Atlantis, uh, um, Cosmic Putrefaction, and uh, Teresa Burnea, which is uh, on... Uh, uh, Vertebra Atlantis and Cosmic Protection were released by uh, Ivo Denger uh, themselves. Uh, and also, um, there is a, another great label which releases mostly death metal bands, which is uh, Everlasting Spew Records. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they, I've come across they them. mostly deal with, they have a lot of death metal, Italian death metal bands like uh, um, Devoid of Thought. Uh, or burial so it's it's a scene full of uh, younger bands right now which are exploring um, a new uh, new concept in, uh, or new sound like for example uh, bad sore and psycho hopefully <laughs> um, there is also I, I must say there's also um, a, a conservative old guard especially for black metal 
um, which is uh, ah, all new stuff suck uh, and also uh, to uh, all they talk about is uh, being fed up with uh, politically correctness so they are also into Nazi stuff I'd say it's present in every black metal scene but I'd, I'd say uh, it's very pro proficient in Italy unfortunately but as I was saying, it's more of uh, older people that were around in the 90s. Uh, younger bands, uh, luckily, are more open-minded. So I'm looking forward to uh, the development of the Italian, of the current Italian scene, which I think it's one of the best in uh, in uh, in Europe right now. We have uh, several. Uh, original bands uh, uh, that can that are uh, are uh, up in quality with the uh, norwegian or uh, french or uh, american bands in my opinion yeah i was gonna say like for, for like newer music um i don't come across as much italian releases as i would say like swedish or whatever but the, the music that is coming out of italy is always really interesting and it's like Fekadontian in that it's it's got a concept or a very like niche thing but it doesn't treat it like like a gimmick um, yeah, yeah. so it's not like beating you over the head with you know being different for the sake of it but there's always something extra on top of it which just makes it that bit much more interesting and also uh Everlasting Spew is the best name for a, a label I've ever heard as well. <laughs> so I just, yeah. whenever I get an email from Everlasting Spew, I just crack up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, probably it's not a perfect translation of, of, of uh, two words, maybe. Mm. Uh, because when uh, Italians have a bit of difficulty for English, so sometimes there are two terms that are that are not very um, don't sound really good together. But um, it's uh, uh, Italians are starting to speak English well. Uh, I'd say in the newer newer generations, older generations. If you, for example, if you uh, take um, black metal lyric of some italian band in the 90s uh, it's uh, written in english it's full of mistakes it's uh, there, there are there are people who still make a very bad uh, mistakes in english in uh, in um, uh, when writing in, uh, lyrics in english i'm talking about italian uh, italian band so in this case uh, i think they should stick to writing lyrics in italian I agree. Uh, I certainly agree because I, I've seen because, that I've seen that happen um, with a lot of different uh, bands, you know, from Ukraine and all of that, where they write lyrics or song titles, and it's not correct. It's incorrect. Whatever you know, the grammar is and whatnot, and it's just like it, it really takes some of the yeah mystique it, it, away from the band because you realize like oh this guy just doesn't know english well and it's coming across before you even listen to the first track you notice the error in the title and i've seen some american bands do that um yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i'm like what the hell it's like you guys speak the language you, you should be able well, to yeah i was gonna say like i don't i don't speak any other languages so i can't really i can't really talk but there's that infamous uh 
sarcophago set of yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. If you're a false stone entry, yeah. Yeah, false stone entry, which is for me, it's part of the charm. Like you come, you can barely hear the lyrics, uh, you know, when the music's happening, and I kind of just sort of see it as like you know one of those little Easter eggs of the album. Um, and there's loads of examples in Immortal as well, but I know for a fact that Abbott speaks really fluent English, so I somehow think they're intentional to be funny. But you know, yeah, there's, just my opinion. there's a band. Yeah, where... I, I can see. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, I I can see that um, it's funny and part of the charm, also because they're uh, ni- 80s or 90s releases, but. To still make mistakes in 2020 is a bit, uh, it's a different thing in my mm. opinion, because it's so easy to uh, write a correct l- lyric in English nowadays, where you can input a sentence and make it correct by itself or check, um, check uh, online dictionaries. In the 90s, I, I reckon it, it was more difficult. So they also cared uh, a bit less, probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as you were saying, I, I tried to imagine an English. Okay. Uh, as I was saying, um, I, if, uh, if I were an English-speaking person uh, and reading a, ver- a very bad lyric in, in, in English, I, w- I will not be um, prone to supporting this band because uh, it sounds like they didn't uh, do enough uh, job, uh, a good job to care about uh, how can I say that um, uh, fixing all the small detail uh, like lyrics that uh, it's not even a small detail it's an important detail sometimes yeah it's kind of like um, well with metal as well there's a lot of like heavy concepts where people do a lot of research I mean um, obviously Fakadontian is a really good example but there's a lot of metal bands that you know do a lot of scholarly research into their lyrics like Niall as well would be another example yeah, yeah. and it kind of yeah the sort of the translation thing as well or like when an English band tries to write lyrics in like Latin or another language oh yeah that, uh, that, I, yeah that that is, that is a bit embarrassing because uh uh yeah maybe we italians are a bit better in Latin since we studied uh, in uh, high school uh, very often so sometimes i see uh, some latin titles by english bands and i'm like ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> and also it, uh, the pronunciation is also funny because in latin you you have to pronounce stuff like it's written like italian mm. so it's uh, sometimes i hear uh, people pronouncing latin uh, like it was english uh, it's yeah but i've it's probably a, a, a thing because of uh, it's out of habit, or to say, if you read something with the um, maybe you are prone to reading it um instead of um, like it's the correct. Uh, it will be correct in in Latin. Yeah, yeah, and I think 
especially when it's English bands using Latin, they'll just try to use the phrases that sound cool that aren't necessarily yeah. grammatically correct. But yeah, if you're a stickler for detail, then um, yeah, it does it does make a difference to the experience. I was just trying to find a local band and I, I found them online and they did break up last year. So I can talk some poop about them. Um, so, <laughs> you know, these guys are from Texas. Their, their name is Last Nation and uh, their, their lyrics are just horrible. Like there's so many like grammatical errors and misspelled words. And um, it was just kind of like this ongoing joke because every year they'd be voted like San Antonio's like top death metal band. And they would just get all their friends and family to vote for them or something online. And uh, they, they, they kind of held that title here for like 20 years. And like the other bands were just kind of, you know, paid no real attention to them because all, all would show up at their shows was just their family pretty much. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just hilarious. I remember, years ago looking into them and look, looking up their lyrics and i'm having a hard time finding their lyrics right now but uh, uh there's just so many errors and they're from you know texas they should be able to speak english um so that was just one example i mean bands here in the u.s have done that as well i believe there's one master song that has a grammatic like your is spelled wrong um yeah so yeah, that is um, very very frequent yeah, I can see when English isn't your first language, that being a, a hurdle to overcome, um, just trying to make everything grammatically correct. So, and you have a great point. It's like if you're having, you know, some struggling with uh, the the language that your band is in, perhaps just, you know, singing your native tongue, um, like mm -hmm. Italian band singing in Italian, Ukrainian, you know, singing in Russian, um, that, that would go over way better because you know, people will take them more seriously when there's not so many issues with the the lyrics and the, the titles being incorrect. Yeah, yeah. I, I think most of non-speaking, non-English speaking bands do that because English, it means more exposure probably. But uh, yeah, you, you should write correct lyrics in English. Also, maybe uh, it's uh, if you listen to me now, you can you could think I I that my English is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I know, but uh, as a native and as a non-native speaker, uh, speaking English it's completely different than uh, writing it. Yeah, I noticed that too. Like uh, Luciano, yeah. um, I had uh, performed on the radio here in san antonio and uh it was posted online and uh luciano he, he had a hard time understanding the uh what was being said and you know on the radio and he had one of his friends listen to it to kind of mm -hmm. convey what you know was being talked about and but when it comes to his written english the guy is phenomenal like he he writes better than most americans but when it comes to speaking um he, he doesn't speak you know english um it's kind of interesting that i noticed that with you know italians not so much in other places like usually uh oh i guess i guess it does kind of translate like, i know people from finland who write pretty well um, in English, but when it comes to speaking in English, they have difficulty. So it might be more common than I realize. No, it's also true for uh, French and uh, and Spanish. 
um, the farther it is the language from uh, Anglo-Saxon, the harder it is to speak it. Yeah, I was going to so. say the the Germans and the Dutch. I mean, I've met Germans where I didn't even realize they were German because yeah, 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 they nail the accent and um, yeah, they they are able to pick it up much quicker and Dutch even more so because um, there's just a lot more crossover. But yeah, you're right. As yeah. as you get further away, um, yeah, into sort of southern and um, yeah, Europe, it kind of yeah, it is more challenging for people. But like. For me, I in the reverse though. I tried to learn German a few years ago, and I found the same thing where um, it was fine reading and writing it, but something to do with the way that you form sentences in German just proved to be really, really challenging because you just have to get yourself into a totally different headspace to English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, when you're speaking in English, you, you start a sentence and you don't necessarily know how it's going to end, but you can't can't do that in German. You kind of need to know the whole structure of the sentence before you start speaking, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's just a, a skill to learn, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 the, it's totally the same for Italian and English. Um, but if you can uh, write it well, it's just a matter of training and getting used to it. If I spent like uh, two weeks abroad talking only in English only, I would uh, speak it uh, ten thousand times better. Exactly. Yeah. When yeah. when what's your in that environment 24 7 i had the same thing happen when, when i was in ukraine um the first couple of days you know very very broken i mean granted i never fully learned russian but then i got to the point where i was understanding what people were saying and right. you know able to kind of partake in conversation a little not in depth at all but just really understanding people better than I would, you know, did the first couple of days in Ukraine by the time the second or third week, you know, I was, I was fully adjusted <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. to sit in on conversations and understand what you know, people are saying. So, but when I went to Germany, like Shelly was mentioning that he had difficulty with the phonetic aspects of putting together, you know, sent the grammar aspects, putting together sentences in German. When I went to Germany, I thought I was in freaking America because Germans speak English so well. <laughs> um, yeah, they yeah. really do. And I, it was just like, I felt like I was in America, especially if, you know, McDonald's everywhere and all that. But yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it, was, it was just like America 2.0. Um, so Germans are, I, I guess they, they're taught very early English. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that and also because the, the language is more similar to English than, uh, let's say, Italian. So it's easier for them to get used to, to, to English. In Italia, in Italy, we are starting to teach uh, kids uh, English and now they are better uh, than uh, previous generations, but uh, it's harder to find uh, environments where English is spoken frequently. So unless, uh, for for example, I don't have a a way to talk uh, in English frequently. So um, that's why it's hard for me. But uh, um, I hope in the future uh, there will be a... Uh, there will be more uh, attention to uh, get uh, in people to speak English frequently in Italy too, because if you go at a, a pub or a bar uh, 
uh, in Italy, unless you are in a big city, uh, it's uh, no one can understand what you're saying or can reply to you correctly. Mm. So, yeah, if you go to a smaller city, it's very hard to find someone who's, who can speak English, especially older people. Need to get them to join more metal podcasts to uh, practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I noticed the same thing in Ukraine. Granted, uh, Italy is a little bit more developed than Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine's developed, has really good infrastructure and all that. But outside of the major cities like Kiev and Lviv, um no one speaks english so you're left to your own devices not not even you go to a restaurant and there's no menu in english so um yeah, yeah. there's just not tourists that go through there that warrant people to know english um and they, they kind of have the same thing going on there where they're teaching the younger generation you know kids uh english and it was really strange you know just all of a sudden there's a little kid who's able to speak you know, very clear English and, you know, after being exposed to so much Russian, but yeah. Um, so in Italy, is that like, I, I assume it's because uh, English is kind of like the, the world uh, yeah, yeah. language. I, not, I shouldn't say world language, but you know, a lot of business is conducted in English. A lot of um, universities, even abroad outside of, you know, English speaking countries, there's yeah. courses in English. Like if you want to take advanced science or something like that, it's going to be in English. I know that's in Germany. They have some of that, but uh, um, so I would assume it's just because they're, they're trying to prep, you know, the younger generation for kind of like the, the world, you know, business, yeah, yeah. international business and all that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot like that. Also, because uh, yeah, English it's is is spoken in the worldwide. Like uh, also for basic communication for social media is mostly in English. You see, so uh, I think uh, for me, I, I use the English also to make new acquaintances. So it's not just business. So hopefully. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, so I, I, I am horrible with uh, Italian. I'll, I'll, I'll be upfront about that. Like, I just know surface level stuff like Pinocchio and cappuccino and spaghetti. <laughs> um, speaking of Italy, like all the spaghetti westerns were filled up, filmed up. Oh no, where was that? Spain? I think it was Italy. Was it spaghetti westerns? I, I mean, spaghetti it has to be Italy. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. So, are you a fan of like western movies? Yeah, uh, the, uh, um, there are uh, like uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of spaghetti western movies like uh, um, at a certain point in the 70s there were like uh, um, 50 um, spaghetti western movies being made and uh, most of them didn't even uh, um, get published abroad but uh, uh, yeah I'm it's it's a uh, it's a genre I'm Still a bit unfamiliar with, uh, except for uh, the most famous ones, like Sergio Leone's movies. Uh, but uh, I actually, I'm actually a fan of uh, B movies or Z movies, and Italy has a long-standing traditions of that. 
um, since the the, the 60s and 70s all of all genre you have a uh, uh, bad movies from, from <laughs> yeah 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 i i'm a, i'm a fan of bad movies especially italian ones because they are not uh, they are charming in a way because they are uh, sometimes they're done with uh, uh, low budget so there uh, the idea is there but the execution is flawed because they don't have enough money so it's not like the, these movies where um, contemporary movies where uh, everything is done uh, bad on purpose uh, yeah they're often um like they try to copy a more mainstream film like you'll get rip-offs of mad max or whatever where they try to do a very similar thing yeah 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 in italy there was a there was a tendency to do this mad max knockoffs but they are uh, entertaining because they the ideas are there but the execution is flawed because of money or time constraints but uh, Sometimes these movies were directed by competent directors, so it's just a matter of um, of, uh, of time and money, and it's they are a very very uh, entertaining uh, movies, uh, nevertheless. So, and I admit, uh, as I was saying, I'm a big fan of these uh, uh, B or Z movies, Italian scene. We have thousands of movies like that, so. Uh, I'm more of a connoisseur of that than uh, uh, bigger spaghetti western movies, for example. Yeah, I mean, you have the Italian slasher films as well. Yeah, 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 horror and slashers are also yeah. cult. We have tons of these too. We 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 try to do as many genres as possible in the in the 70s and 80s. So you have the slashers, you have western, you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like police uh, action movies uh, or, or even um, erotic ones. <laughs> we, uh, we, we made tons of these. Plenty of, uh, uh, plenty yeah, of, plenty of writing yeah, uh, yeah. metal lyrics too as well. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of crossover there. Just a quick question, yeah, yeah. a little off topic. Um, is Inferno magazine still around? I remember... It's an Italian metal magazine that I was featured in some years back. And uh, are they still around? Or if you know? Are you talking about erotic magazines? No, Inferno. No? Inferno. Ah, Inferno. I, I misheard that from porno. Sorry. <laughs> no, I wasn't in an erotic magazine. <laughs> I wish. I mean. <laughs> uh, Inferno, I don't know. Actually, mm, I, I don't follow uh, printed magazines much. I'm more of a webzine guy. There are some uh, printed magazines, but uh, I don't know about Inferno. Uh, it, it doesn't ring a bell to me, so I think it must uh, have closed down, probably. Yeah, I haven't seen anything on them in a long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm kind of thinking. So that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, pr- printed metal magazine in general are waning um, everywhere, I uh, I think. Yeah, I was going to say. It's um, more of a webzine uh, thing. Only ju- just the, the bigger ones like uh, Rolling Stone or... Uh, or uh, I don't know if stuff like Decibel is also printed or or is online only. I don't remember. But uh, uh, Decibel is all over the place. 
Um, yeah. they're, they're in all the bookstores here in the U S so they're still a, a big player. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of different metal magazines come and go. There was like a magazine called pit that came and go and they, they, they feature a lot of like really good underground death and black metal. Um, and then there was like metal maniacs and metal edge and all these other yeah, yeah. magazines, but decibel is definitely the king now. Um, that's the, the, they have a monopoly, um, in the U.S., but I know Shelly, yeah. he's working for a, a Metal Legion magazine, and um, what I heard, like, the what it's like the circulation may not be, like, as big as Decibel, but they're featuring a lot of good, like, really underground extreme metal, so that's definitely one, and they also uh, post their uh, issues online. You can buy it mm. for a dollar and, you know, look at it on your iPad or whatnot, so uh yeah, it looks like uh, Shelly hooked up a really good uh, publication there. Well, yeah, they're trying to um, make it look like a professional mainstream magazine. And to be fair, they do have some big artists featured in there, but the actual content is very sort of still underground orientated. A lot of the the releases in there are all kind of from, from the underground. So it's trying to kind of, yeah, recapture, you know, the um, aesthetic of a, of a mainstream magazine but keep it keep the ethos underground which um yeah i really appreciate yeah i'm i'm more of a webzine guy because at least here uh, printed magazines uh, tend to focus on uh, mainstream bands so um it's rare to see underground bands discussed in printed magazine, printed Italian magazine or Italian versions of uh, foreign metal magazines. So uh, it's it's very nice when an underground band ends up on a on a big uh, uh, printed magazine, but it's a it's a rare uh, over there. So yeah. over here, sorry, yeah. But uh, yeah, I tend to prefer smaller uh, webzines, smaller websites because they focus almost entirely on underground. And uh, I have, I must admit, I have zero interest in uh, mainstream metal, so I don't check the bigger uh, magazine or webzine. I like more underground ones, like Hate Meditations, for example. <laughs> yeah, Hate Meditations definitely way above average. Um, one of the best metal websites or blogs, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, Shelly is a hell of a writer. Um, but yeah, there, there's some good, you know, webzines out there. What are some of your favorites other than Hate Meditations? Ah, well, uh, um, for bigger ones uh, in the in the underground uh, in the underground uh, scene, there is a. I think Invisible Orange does a really good job of uh, of covering uh, underground bands while having a, a huge uh, um, a huge fan base, a huge reach. Um, it's it's very it's great for a, an underground band being covered there because sometimes they make the jump from the underground to a bigger audience. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Black Metal Daily, the, which is a webzine which is run by a friend, uh, a dear friend of ours, Aaron. I don't know if you know him, uh, Shelley. Uh, I know Black Metal Daily, yeah, I've come across yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they they also supported us when covering uh, our, our material very often uh, uh yeah i i also on top of my head i can think of other of other stuff but uh, uh i I know that uh, Brooklyn Vegan sometimes uh, reviews uh, some uh, hipster metal stuff, but I like that, so <laughs> I'm glad they do. So, yeah, yeah. they all, they they all, they tend to cover uh, American uh, experimental bands, but uh, yeah, I dig those like stuff like Kralis or uh, yeah, Yellow Eyes. So yeah, <laughs> well, Brooklyn Me, Vegan they own Invisible Oranges. Oh yeah, it's uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a part of. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're they're two separate things, but it's under the same umbrella. So I, I would assume there's a lot of overlap between the the back office side of those websites. So very cool. Any Shelley? Yeah. So, um, on top of my head, I can think of uh, Angry Metal Guys, another great um, great webzine. Um, there is also Astral Noise, that is a great webzine based in UK, and uh, yeah, these are uh, on top of my head my favorite ones, other than the uh, the stuff I mentioned. Yeah, I'd say as well as the ones you've already mentioned, uh, Grizzly Butts is really worth checking. Oh out. yeah, Grizzly Butts, yeah, 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 and uh, Cave Dweller Music as well. I really appreciate their writing. Oh, and No Clean Singing as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was forgetting knocking singing. Yeah, yep. yeah. Knocking singing is very receptive. They have a big audience, a big following, but they are very receptive to uh, younger the bands with uh, just a demo. Uh, you, if you send them your material, they'll uh, most likely talk about you. So it's great. Also, Toilet Tobel. It's a great. Uh, it's great. Um, Webzine, they are both funny and uh, yet they cover uh, very underground, uh, especially death metal bands. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. Other than hate meditations, I would also throw in like what I, I don't think the guy has updated the website in like a year, but old disgruntled bastard. It was this guy from India and the really hell of a writer there too really great taste in extreme metal but i i think he's kind of abandoned that blog at least or taken a hiatus so you know i i have my choice selection hate meditations definitely up there um so very cool uh shelly do you have any more questions uh no i think i think we've just about covered everything um well it's been sort of great to finally um chat to you um in real life just because uh We've been corresponding a fair bit over the last year and uh, I've really enjoyed all of the music that's been coming out on Xenoglossy and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the upcoming releases. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, forward me the uh, Theosophist uh, release and uh, I want to check that out and possibly get that. How's his English? Does he speak pretty well? I don't think so, but you, you can shoot an email uh, uh, anyway, uh, maybe we um, we can help him uh, translating. Since uh, um, the other Giuseppe also has um, a small PR agency which also collaborates with Teo Machia. So uh, 
he he might help with uh, with uh, with English if needed. Okay, we might I might uh, shoot him a, a written interview then. That might be better and have that you know posted yeah, somewhere yeah. on the internet. Um, which you know just looking at the the uh, the concept and everything that he's into, um, it looks like it's straight up my alley. So yeah, I would like to pick his brain a little bit, whether it's uh, if he wants to come on the podcast or uh, do a written interview, I, I'd love to pick his brain. Yeah, probably it's probably easier for in in written uh, in written interview. Also, sometimes I I I, I often help the some uh, xenoglos other Italian xenoglossy acts in uh, translating the interviews from Italian to English and vice versa to for questions. So I, I can lend a hand to if uh, for written interviews if you want. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. So. Thank you very much for coming on the program today. Uh, definitely check out the Kadanchan. I, I think I mispronounced that. Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, Supercontinent is definitely killer. I'm going to be playing some of that on this episode today after we're done talking. Definitely stick around and check that out. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. And uh, also, uh, congratulations for your work uh, in Godcraft. Uh, the most recent album is very, very good. Oh, thanks for checking it out. Yeah, in the yeah, kind sick, words. Sick transit, Gloria Mundi. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Very, yeah, yeah, that was great.
Thank mm-hmm. you.